Hello, 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 everybody. It's time for week number two to get this thing going. Real Talk Live with Bishop Bright. I'm so excited today. Uh, I have two great men of God who are going to be joining us today in this conversation. And when I tell you that uh, we're going to, if you thought last week was something, if you thought last week we set the bar for uh, some good conversation, uh, you have seen nothing yet because we're going to take it up even another notch on tonight. Uh, our first guest I'm going to bring in is uh, a great man of God with a great church. His name is Pastor Lance Mann of the Solid Rock Church in Paris, Texas. Let's bring on Pastor Mann. Hello, Pastor Mann. Bishop, how are you, sir? Man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm happy uh, that you are here with us. Thank you so much uh, for agreeing to come on. And we will also be joined uh, later by uh, um, Bishop Foreman out of uh, Aurora, Colorado. But we're ready to get started. Here's uh, Bishop Foreman now. Uh, let's bring him on in. Uh, Bishop Foreman, good afternoon. Good, good, e good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. I think it is evening. You're right. It's good evening. Right. Good to see you all. Glad to all be right. here. So, uh, Bishop Glad Foreman, this is Pastor Lance Mann. What's going on, Pastor? Rock Church in Paris, Texas. Paris. Paris, Texas. Yes. I love Glad it. Glad to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. DFW, right? Say that again. Is that, is that the DFW area? Uh, I'm about an hour and a half in between Dallas and Texarkana. Gotcha. Okay. 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 Yeah. yeah you know, I've never been to Paris, Texas. And so I asked Alexa earlier, I said, Alexa, where is Paris, Texas? And it says it's 96 miles northeast of Dallas. So I, I am uh, almost directly in the middle of Dallas and Texarkana. Okay. So Dallas is here, Texarkana is here, and Paris is up here. So it's almost like a triangle. Gotcha. Gotcha. So here's what uh let let me encourage you if you're on, like, share, uh, invite people. Let's get this thing going. And before we do, let's just briefly pray. God, we bless you and we thank you in this place. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy that has always covered us and kept us and protected us. We pray, God, for meaningful conversation that might move and stir the hearts and minds and thoughts of people who hear and that they would be called into action That's to right. do those things, God, which please you in every way. We pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Amen. last week, Amen. last week, gentlemen, 
we started this conversation about essentially being black right now. And I proffered to them that while we are experiencing a viral pandemic, that the reality I think of the black man situation is that we're also uh, dealing with a racial pandemic. Now, everybody has their eyes focused on a cure, a vaccine, something to eradicate this viral pandemic of COVID-19. But the same urgency, in my opinion, has never been put forth to fix all of the racial ills that are going on. And so I want to have this conversation about how we move forward, what we do, what our next steps are, how do we navigate through the situation we're we're in now and 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 have been for a while. And I guess I want to start with the first question with you Pastor Man. My question is this. As a black person and black people listening and people of color listening, is it okay to talk about the differences between us and our friends who might be white? Uh, first, Bishop Wright, thank you again for allowing me to share in this space. Um, I am honored uh, to be here. Let me let me say first that um, although we are in a pandemic, we are still black in America. Sure. Uh, that has not changed. That will not change. In fact, I would suggest that this pandemic has unfortunately, between the pandemic and the political uh, powder cake we're sitting on uh, with the occupant in the White House, uh, it has brought to bear, uh, uh, brought to light, brought even people out of the closet who have tried to uh, hide uh, their true feelings. Okay. So uh, having said that, as we are black in America, it is appropriate to have the conversation. And one of the reasons why uh, the relations between black and white has never been uh, 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 dealt with honestly is because there's been a fear or a neglect to have the conversation, to sit at the table and to, to, to dialogue meaningfully um, the differences between the cultures uh, and then addressing those issues. Uh, white folk don't want to deal with it um, because it, it challenges them to have to face some harsh realities. Um, here's the reality. Their white skin has afforded them privileges our black skin has, has not for us. And because of that, they've gotten advantages socially, economically, politically, and even in the church that uh, we need to deal with, address, but it won't happen. Uh, the, 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 the solutions can't be found if we don't sit and have the dialogue. So Bishop Foreman, how would you frame the way we would 
maturely but directly engage in that conversation. So, you know, again, Bishop, thanks for having me, Pastor. Glad to be uh, with you uh, on uh, tonight. You know, here's what I would say. Uh, I, I believe this. Uh, I, I agree with everything uh, Pastor said with, a, with the nuance. Um, and, and the nuance is this. Um, I think if we step back and look at the issue of racism, I don't think that racism is an issue. I don't believe that racism, unlike coronavirus, racism doesn't have a cure. Um, racism is the state of belief that individuals may have. Um, and I don't believe there's a cure for that. I don't, you know, I believe that certain people can choose to learn, choose to get better, et cetera. But the reality is I don't necessarily believe that there's a cure. Um, and so I think when we approach the conversation, sometimes terms like this are used, racial reconciliation. Um, to reconcile means to go back to the way something was before. My issue with that concept and that notion is that if we're going back to the way something was before, then what we're really saying um, is let's return to a time in the past. Well, the only the last time that, that blacks and whites were of any level of reconciliation or conciliation uh, is that, you know, blacks were slaves. So I, I'm not at all interested in that any way, shape, form or fashion. So to the question of how do we approach the conversation, I think one with realizing the goal, what, what is our goal? Our goal, in my view, shouldn't be to fix the issue of racism. That's not our issue to fix. That's like a rape victim sitting down with the rapist and saying, let's talk about why you like raping people. Um, that, and I know that's an extreme example, but it is nonetheless apropos in this situation in that the reality is the issue is not so much as fixing racism, it's penalizing racism and then also making recompense for what that institutionalized racism has done to an entire group of people. Going back to things like Fair Housing Act uh, and the Veterans Administration Act when it related to housing, that uh, every other group of people post-World War II, they were able to take advantage of home ownership, except Blacks. It was codified into the law. Um, so you have now um, uh, what, 60, 70, what, almost 100 years uh, in time where individuals were able to build wealth in their families through real estate that blacks weren't, it was codified and the law could not do that. So I think we've got to look at what's our goal. And I think our goal, in my view, can't be to necessarily fix racism because that is not the response. Of, that is not my responsibility to fix why you don't like me because of my color. Right. Uh, okay. That's not my responsibility. Uh, my issue is you need to be punished when you do that, number one. Right. Number two, you need to pay me back for what you have done as right. a result of racism. Right. Okay. So, 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 so that kind of brings me to uh, something that um, I've been thinking a lot about. So then, how do we, how do we elevate the information enough to where we have this conversation, whereby we can talk about how do we fix uh, systemic racism? and institutionalized racism. How do we fix it? What do we do? Not to fix it, that's the wrong word. How do we impact it such that we drive it toward a change? Pastor Mann? Well, uh, to Bishop Foreman was right. Um, it's not on us to fix it. Uh, you can't say, I'm gonna give you a place at the table when I built the table. Okay. And I built it for free. <laughs> And I built it for free. Yeah. Um, you can't tell me we'll let you in the room 
when the reason the room exists is because you stole the land that the room sat on from indigenous people. And then you went and got my people and you made forced us to cultivate the land, to build on the land. And then you want to have pity on me and say, all right, I'll give you a crumb. I'll let you in the room. No, that room belongs to me just as much as it belongs to you. Even more so. I agree that uh, there need to be a penalty for it. And there also needs to be some repayment for the pain. Now, here is the, the elevation of issues. Uh, it comes from a desire by others to educate themselves on history instead of trying to t turn a blind eye or have revisionist history or to try to muddy the water. Case in point, uh, uh, Republicans, uh, not trying to make this political, but Republican, well, it's going to be political anyway, but Republicans uh, would say something. Well, it was the Democrats that uh, that created slavery. And it was a Republican named Abraham Lincoln who uh, who set the slaves free. Let's let's that's revisionist history. First of all, Abraham Lincoln was forced to uh, uh, create an end to slavery. He didn't want to end slavery. That's number one. Number two, if you want to say the Republic, the Democrats uh, and Jim Crow, okay, that's fine. But the modern iteration of the Republican Party are nothing more than Southern Dixiecrats who got mad at Lyndon Baines Johnson for the Civil Rights Act of 64 and the Voting Rights Act of 65, and they rebelled. And now we have the modern Republican Party. So in order to elevate the conversation, there needs to be uh, an, an admittance of the facts of history. And again, okay. it's not upon it's not incumbent upon us to to fix it. It can't be fixed. We'll sit back and let you educate yourselves so that now you can come to the table and say, listen, we were wrong. We repent. Here's the here's let's level the playing field so that everyone can be on the same on the same stage. OK, so so then my question and this is for either one of you who want to jump in here is. Okay, since we understand that there has to have that conversation, how do we have it without, I, I guess, without seemingly being aggressive in the eyes of the people we're having the conversations with? Bishop, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Pat, say, Bishop, go ahead. I'll Bishop, take go ahead. Take that. Because, uh... well, let me let me say, Pastor, thank you for so eloquently making that statement because. One of the things that happens, so I'm very involved uh, in influencing influencers. That's part of my assignment. And so when Colorado, after um, the murder of George Floyd by um, those uh, murderers, um, uh, I've used my words intentionally. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, after the after that, I said my, my job is to influence the influencers. I said my protest is to get progress. So that Sunday after church, I got on the phone with all of our elected officials that we had influence with. And I said, I need a bill and I want results. What are you going to do? Uh, by one of the representatives, uh, he said, Bishop, I had a bill that we introduced. We're going to try to reintroduce it, but I'm going to spin it off. And basically we talked strategy. We talked strategy. It was introduced on Wednesday. It was on the in committee by Thursday, voted into law that next Tuesday, signed into law by the governor on Friday. Colorado with 4% African-American, 62,217 to be exact. 
in the Metro Denver area. The map is right over here. Um, <laughs> you got it done because I influence the influencers uh, in a place where our legislature only has eight African-Americans. I influence the influencers. What am I saying? I think when we talk about having the conversation and not seeming aggressive, there it, it, again, I'm not asking you to give me anything. Uh, I, and I, if we talk about this from a spiritual standpoint, I think one of the things uh, is that that is very important is that we are not just talking about this from uh, just a, a political or a policy standpoint, but we're talking about it also spiritually. So I don't ask Pharaoh to give me anything. I tell him. Um, and, and so I say that to say, I think that I could care less. I could give two Less and Lester, excuse me. I can go less. Excuse me. That's why I let you go first. <laughs> uh, I could care less about what one thinks. And let me say this because many times, one of the things that happens is, especially when you get it, I, in all fairness, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, I don't trust either side. Uh, I trust who's going to get results for me. Uh, last week, a Republican wanted to sit down with me and, and he wanted to chat. And I said, well, listen, let me just be real frank with you. I said, here are, you know, here are the issues, here are my concerns. What are you going to do? And, 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 and I said, listen, I don't want to hear about Abraham Lincoln. I said, if you read Abraham Lincoln's statements, he said, I don't want to free a Negro. That's I don't want to free him. Those were his words. He I said, don't want them to get I wouldn't do it unless I had to because I need an army. All right. So um, at the end of the day, I don't want to hear about the past. That's like saying, remember that one time I bought you some gas when you were five? Like, oh. <laughs> Janet Jackson says, what have you done for me lately? So the notion that, um, and I'll get to, to your question, Bishop, I could care less about how we are perceived. I could care less about how we are perceived. Um, the reality is, is that this is what we are owed. And so you're going to always be perceived to be an aggressive black man when you are fighting for your rights. Let's remember the history of this country that whenever there was a strong black man, what did they do? They, the master would break the slave by raping him in front of his family, anally in front of his family. It's graphic because it's true. So what do we have? Um, we have many that are scared to be strong because their strength uh, in many instances uh, is met with resistance. And so I think you're going to be perceived aggressive, just like a woman fighting for women's rights. You're going to be perceived aggressive whenever you're fighting for something because the very inference, I'm fighting for it. Well, how do you not aggressively fight? Okay. Can, okay. can, can, I, can I, let me piggyback on some, um, uh, this, it's not just political, right? It's also spiritual. Right. And here's my issue with a lot of our spiritual brothers. Um, their their desire to be accepted in certain spaces um, causes them to not tell Pharaoh or even ask Pharaoh. What they do in turn is they are quiet to remain in the spaces. I don't need anything from Pharaoh. Uh, I don't need Pharaoh to accept me. I don't need Pharaoh to like me. I do need Pharaoh and I will have Pharaoh respect me, respect me, the people I pastor, the people I am given to guard and protect in my family. Um, and so what what the problem is, is that we don't have enough people who are willing in our positions 
to influence the influencers. Our job, I don't believe I should run for office. Uh, I don't have enough time. I got, enough, I got enough on my plate pastoring people. My job, I do believe that politicians ought to come to me for counsel uh, and to be told, hey, this do, I applaud you. You've done uh, in, to get policy change. That, to me, is how politically it's going to change. It's got to be policy. Here's the problem. With 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 Texas, at least East Texas. I can't speak for Austin, where, uh, <laughs> but in East Texas, Republicans don't have a problem coming to talk to you. They're just not genuine in what they what they want to say. It's it's for show. It's I'm not a prop. I refuse to be a prop. Uh, but if you're going to have real meaningful policy dialogue, where something will come at that back end of it where things will change. I'll be the first in line in the door. But if you're looking for a prop, that's not going to happen. So so let me ask you this, because um, it has it has and admittedly, it has a political twinge to it. We've kind of shifted a little bit. So my question is, do you have to be um, if you are pro black? Are you automatically liberal or can you be pro-black and be conservative as well? In other words, can, is it possible to really be pro-black and be, let's just, since we're breaking it down, can you be pro-black and be a Republican? Um, I have issue. I have okay. issue. Come on, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have issue with those terms. Okay. Um, because I believe that we man has created uh, those terms to divide God's people. Okay. Um, the Bible is neither liberal nor conservative. It's the Bible. It's okay. the word of God. Um, so to be pro-black simply means... I'm pro-child of God. It does not mean I'm anti-white. It just means I'm I'm a child of God. You can't be pro-life and yet turn the blind eye when police are standing on our necks or as a black man, I'm driving and I get pulled over by the police and my hands are shaking because I don't know if I'm going to make it home to my wife. I read, um, I actually read that on your Twitter feed uh, the other day, <laughs> the story of that guy. And I, and I thought how remarkable of a story that yeah. is that this grown adult man shook, experiencing symptoms of PTSD simply because there were sirens behind his car. I thought that was his name is Kyle Howard, Kyle J. Howard. Uh, follow him on, on, on Twitter. He has a remarkable story. Kyle is a brilliant theological, a theological mind, has a brilliant theological mind. He was educated in conservative spaces at conservative universities. Uh, he is multiple degreed at Southern Baptist affiliated universities. Yet he's a black man who's married to a non-black woman has mixed children. 
but he tells the story of how he suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder because of all of his personal experiences being black in a conservative space. So back to your question, to be pro-black don't doesn't mean I'm anti-scripture. And if you read Twitter, I'm, I, I, I frequent more on Twitter than I do Facebook anyway, because people. You froze up, Pastor. Um, uh, there, there are people in conservative. Oh, can you hear me? Yes, now oh. I can. Now I can. Okay. There were there are people in in conservatives called movement Marxist. What does that mean? I'm a Marxist because I want to live. So what are they saying? So the whole notion of conservative liberal. The Bible is neither conservative or liberal. It's the word of God. And you can't say, well, all lives matter. All lives won't matter until my life matters. So I, I, I shun away from those labels. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm okay. a oh, okay. Given I'm that, sorry, I don't mean to hijack. I don't no, mean to no, hijack. No, no, no. But given that, and, and Bishop Foreman, I want you next. But given that, why does it seemingly appear that the white Christians don't carry the banner of our protection, of our um, well-being. In other words, it seems like, I'm not saying it is for everybody, sure. but when I hear pastors of churches, particularly Southern Baptist churches, their leadership, always seems to denigrate and deny the reality of what our lives actually are, Bishop Foreman. The question? How is it that, why does white Christianity seemingly not see this the same way we do, given that it's not about race? I mean, it's about race, but it's more about our lives are are keeping our lives, but instead find ways to denigrate or reject that by saying things like, "Those are mobs. They're terrorists. They are uh, uh, thugs. They 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 hold those banners instead of saying, "No, these are not thugs. These are not terrorists. These are folks who have been killed and want to quit dying." at the hands of people who look like me. Sure. Um, your the, the answer is in your question. White Christianity. Exactly. That's my answer. So, so if I wrote that down <laughs> before you even said it. Right. So so again, let's be clear, because I'm sure you've got a multicultural, multiracial audience. Um, to tell the truth is to not be anti-anybody. Telling the truth about coronavirus is anti-coronavirus, not anti-people with coronavirus, okay? So to, to tell the truth about the realities of America is not to be anti-anybody. Um, so when we were in the process of getting that law passed, um, I was very clear that I'm not anti-law enforcement. I'm anti-white supremacy and anti-murder. Um, and so, you know, it's pretty simple. 
I think the reality is, is that when you are talking, and let's be clear that many times, um, if, if we're just to be very honest about it, denial is bliss. It's an absolute wonderful world to live in to say that there there are no issues and it's nothing happening. And these people just need to these people just need to these people just need to stop complaining and they need to just get their lives together. Well, listen, you had um, you got 200 years of free labor um, that you are living on. You have a system that is set up to favor you that you've intentionally set up to not, as a black man who has been successful, started my first business when I was 12, at the time I was 21, but the very successful business and ministry. And, 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 and I'm only saying that to make this point. The racism I have had to deal with was why is he in here? Um, it didn't matter my education, didn't matter my background, didn't matter my accomplishments. Well, how did he get in this room? How does he have this? How does he have that? So I learned years ago that the greatest answer to racism is to create successful people who can then dismantle a system. But at the end of the day, again, I, I go back to the analogy I gave is that does a rapist think that what he's doing is so bad to those that he's raping? No. Does 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 a does a person involved? And you said, Bishop, that's extreme. That's my point, because that's the extreme to which white supremacy operates. Because see, white supremacy sometimes isn't overt. It's subtle. Like you're a real credit to your people. You know that. Right. You speak really well. You you articulate yourself exceptionally well. You know, what? if more if, if there was more of you in the world. OK. Wow. So it's subtle. So the reality is, and then sitting, talking to different groups of people, I can tell you, many people who are racist, they really don't think they're racist. You know why? When it's been fed to you for generation after generation that you're white and you're right and they're black and they're bad and you're good and you're better. And on your best day, on your worst day, you're still better than them. On your, when that's beat into you, you're going to believe that. Um, Do you really believe that, Bishop, that 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 that? Those there are those who are racist who really don't believe they're racist. I sat with one last week. <laughs> I sat with one last week, and as he talked, I said, "You really don't. You 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 really you really don't know it. What you just said to me is proof." Elijah McClain, which is popular, uh, you know, uh, uh, trending on social media right now. That happened within five minutes of this building right here, mm-hmm. of our campus here, and and when I saw that video. Back in August, we had two candidates, black candidates that were running, one for uh, two for mayor. And I called them both and said, what are you going to do? And you know what they told me? Well, Bishop, we don't want to be seen as anti-police. I said, well, sirs, if we're putting you in office and you're not going to represent the interest of the people who you're asking to help put you there. One man lost by less than, if I remember correctly, less than 100 votes. Wow. I, we could have delivered him those 100 votes. Um, he lost by less than 100 votes. And I say that to say they didn't want to be seen as anti-police. And in all of that, I began making noise about it back in August. I went to the attorney general back in August, who now was in in charge of investigating the case because of public pressure. That boy was targeted. That boy was murdered. I said to that gentleman last week, I said, he said, well, you know, Elijah McClain in many ways is worse than what happened with um, George Floyd, because, you know, that's just, you know, clearly, you know, we got to talk about mental health. I said, stop. I said, mental health has nothing to do with the fact that they had no right to approach him and come at him like that, except for the fact that he was black. And in their minds, you're not going to talk back to me like that, boy. Let me teach you a lesson. 
They had no right to even approach him in that way. It had nothing to do with his mental health, nothing to do with him being an introvert, nothing to do with him being kind to people and playing the violin. You targeted him and you murdered him because he was black and he challenged you. Pastor Man. Right. It, it's 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 exactly what he's saying, what, what Bishop Foreman is saying. Not let me let me be clear. I'm not suggesting that all white Christians are not racist. Not at all. But what I am suggesting is that far too many of them look at my skin and automatically deduce I am inferior. And that is the problem. It is a heart problem. It is a condition that they have been taught for generation after generation. And when 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 you come and you are successful, just like Bishop said, you are successful. Um, then they either look at you one of two ways: either you a threat, or they look at you as someone that they could bring and give you crumbs and tell you you're not like those others. And so it's it's a heart issue. But watch this: their defense is well, racism ends. When all you got, you don't need to march, you need to protest, you need the word of God. Okay, that's true. The gospel changes lives. My question to them is, how come it has not changed yours? Wow. And let me say this for everybody listening. I want I want to be clear and, and I want to amplify what both gentlemen have said. I absolutely do not ascribe that all non-black people are a certain way. No. Because to me, that would be saying the same thing as all black people are a certain way. And clearly right. we're not. Right. Uh, I have a lot of great friends who are not black uh, people uh, who have been nothing but kind to me, people who have been nothing but uh, 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 hospitable in my presence and people who I believe deeply love me for uh, who I am as a person. However, this is beyond in my mind, those individual people um, and more about uh, a majority of mindset that says who I am as a person is not equal to who they are as a person. And that's the problem. So I, I, I was thinking about that uh, here in America, and I saw this somewhere and it made me really think about this. We have what we're called African-Americans. We have Native Americans. We have Mexican-Americans. Why are not white people called European-Americans? Why are, and, and, I, and I say that because I think it's part of the whole system of being different, being higher, being the one. Because you have to understand, there are people, uh, from uh, the Aztecs who are no longer here, uh, the Aborigines who are no longer here, the Tasmanians who are mostly no longer here because it seems like every time European people have come to a place, they've almost obliterated it of everybody else that was there first and then says, this is my land. I think that's a problem. Um, I'm trying to remember the conservative pundit's name, and I don't want to mis misapply this quote. 
to someone. So I'm just going to say a conservative pundit said, when you win, you get to write history. They came to this land, stole it from indigenous people who welcomed them onto the land, went to Africa. We welcomed them to the shores of Africa and they stole us, brought us here. So in their minds, we won, we get to write the history. Um, that's why we don't get, um, this is a English American or French American or Scandinavian American. We have to label ourselves because out of a sense of looking for our worth and searching for our value, we've been made to feel less than for 401 years. We've been made to feel less than. Bishop Foreman says something all the time and, and I love it. And I want him to kind of expound on the bishop. You always say the truth doesn't matter as long as it's about how loud you can say it and how long you can say it. Something to that nature. Right. 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 So, again, the truth doesn't matter. The narrative does. Mm -hmm. the, narrative does. the narrative does. And, and so at the end of the day, uh, what I discovered um, and again, even if we look at history, interestingly enough. Right. Let's go here. Let's go here. Um, Jesus's accusation, um, Solomon describes himself, he describes his skin color as black. Mm -hmm. um, remember, race was created by Americans as a way to create a stratification. Right. So mm -hmm. race didn't exist scripturally, ethnicity, where you were from. Right. More so where you, you know, where you came from in terms of the country of origin. Right. Um, which is even slightly nuanced from ethnicity. That being said, Listen to Jesus' accusation. He called the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says, you whitewashed tombs. Right? Mm -hmm. um, that's his accusation to them. Um, and, and what's amazing about that is, remember, the Hebrews are under Roman occupation at that time. Right. What's amazing to me, and the reason I make reference to that, is if we look at what's happening um, um, when you talk about history and culture and narrative, is that look at the images of Jesus that have. That's Cesare Borgia <laughs> that we're looking at. Um, Cesare Borgia, great that, reference. Well that, done. Well right. played. That, that's not. That's not. That's well not played. Jesus of the Bible as he describes himself. Um, you look at um, all of the images of the saints, right? Um, you know, all European men, which just none of that's even possible. Um, even to this day, Israel is on the African tectonic plate. Um, that's Africa. That's North Africa. Africa. It was Middle East as a way to um, to begin to separate it from Africa. So at the end of the day, I think the narrative of time has been shifted and changed um, so that history back to what the what pastor said, history has reflected many that have won. But if we go deeper, can we go here? If we go deeper, how did they win? How did you how did you enslave millions of Africans to the point to where there were more Africans at one point than there were whites in America? Right. I was talking with a behavioral therapist last week and she said something so powerful. She says not only do African-Americans have to deal with the issues 
um, uh, white supremacy and what that does in terms of the system and structure of life. She says, but we were then given up by our own in Africa. Right. Um, that that there was the involvement of the selling of our own. And, and so now you've got trauma at different levels that not only make you distrust a system, but also makes you in some ways distrust your own. Wow. And I bring that up to say, so now if we look at the totality of what it is that we are to address, the reality is, is that it starts with an individual conversation that becomes a group conversation, that becomes a collective conversation, that becomes transformation in a nation. Um, I think when you see um, individuals, you know, i.e. Donald, who make references to the Confederate flag and all these types of things, if you're using that line, it clearly shows shows that there's a war going on that you don't think you're winning anymore. Right. Absolutely. If you're going going back to if you gotta go to Confederacy, if you gotta go, if you gotta go, reference rebels of who lost, uh, who lost wow, and you lift up a, a flag and loser, horrible, awful. What that tells you is not only are you losing, but because you're losing, you feel the only way to win is just to open up and show this is what I really feel. This is what I felt all the time. This is yeah. what I believed in all the time. So uh, I, I was interviewed two weeks ago by local e-newspaper here in Paris, and they asked me about um, uh, Confederate statue. I said it needs to go down. Well, wait, where, where do you think it needs to? Where, where do you want it to go? I said that's not up to me. Where it goes, I know where it shouldn't go. Um, and anyone who fights it, um, it's they're revealing. Uh, that they're grasping at straws <laughs> to win a war, uh, uh, to win a war that that they lost already. Uh, Grady Daniel, I have not watched it. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. Okay, all right. I wanted to See, answer the question that he uh, he asked me a while ago. All right, all right. So uh, let let's let's kind of move it uh, along just a little bit. Uh, sure. As we get, uh, we're on the other side of our of our time. We have about fifteen minutes left. So, what what can what can one person do? And here's let, scratch that. Here's the question I want to know. So, do we have a collective obligation um, as people of color to say to band together? and do things like boycott businesses and places that don't value our dollar. One of the, the reason I asked the question, we were talking last week and uh, one of the things that were, that was said clearly um, is that um, there's power in money. That when folks won't listen to your words, they will respond to your dollar. What, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, well, one, um, I'm going to address, I'm going to come back to this Uncle Tom thing. I just Googled it to see what it was about. So let, let me do with that. So anything that presupposes that the problem with the black man situation 
is I just read the narrative and the summary of this Uncle Tom. So I appreciate I read it. But uh, this, first of all, if it comes, comes from the Salem Media Network, which anyone familiar with them should already know that they are already, already mm -hmm. politically armed um, media group. And so it says um, it takes a look, a different look at being black in America, featuring media personalities, ministers, civil rights activists, veterans, self-employed plumber, explores their personal journeys of navigating the world as one of America's most misunderstood political and cultural groups. In this eye-opening film, the director lists their names and then the executive producer, Larry Elder, Uncle Tom examines self-empowerment, individualism, and rejecting the victim narrative. Yes, yeah, so I'm not going to be watching that. And let me tell you why. Well, I didn't Google it. And thank well, you I for Googled, the information. I Googled it. Let me respond to the comment. So uh, uh, the, the notion embedded is that that's how black people think. You're already approaching me as a white supremacist with that type of an ideology. So that is not something that, um, that I will be watching, but I certainly appreciate your suggestion. But to approach the narrative, rejecting the victim narrative, what? Uh, is this a joke? Rejecting the victim? A lot of people don't think we're victims. Let me tell you, we're the strongest, most resilient people that you have ever met. What nation can put its foot on the neck of a people and they still succeed and as billionaires? entrepreneurs, successful people, politicians. We dominate anything that we do as a people because we had to learn how to survive. The slave master threw us pigs and we said, we'll take the intestines out, make chitlins and cut them feet off and have pig feet. Absolutely. Y'all ain't saying that to me. Absolutely. I mean, listen, you, you thought you were hurting us by saying, find something out in the field. We cut them out. We cut them up and grew it. Out of what you are. So my mama took a whole chicken and made it last all it last. Long. I need somebody to type on that chat. Yes, Lord. Because <laughs> don't come to me with no mess about we victims. Man, have several seats. The man said he needs somebody to type yes, Lord, in that I, I, you know, I have several seats coming with that type of an ideology that somehow black people think that they're victims. It is ridiculous to even make that type of an assertion. And again, that's the type of black brainwashing that we have to think that the problem with black people is that you think you're a victim. I, we don't think we're victims. What we're saying is the same thing that you get to enjoy every day that we that many black people have to fight for just even the playing field. That's even it. Level so, the so there's field. that. So I have nothing else to say about that. All right. Now that's your wife, Bishop, uh, who said, yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, Brady. Yes, Lord. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I want to see what the other side that's is so saying. I, listen, I don't take sides, Grady. I take over. So I'm not even interested in taking a side. I'm not <laughs> that being said, money talks, everything else walks. So at the end of the day, you want right. to change things, you mess with the money. Right. End of discussion. Right. So um, we've seen this happen all over in America. And, and I think that needs to happen. You want to change something? You check. I know that's your family. That's, no. that's a Bishop Bright. <laughs> that's a Bishop Brightism. Um, but but at the end of the day, yes, uh, money is money is how you begin to make uh, those types of changes in every area of culture. You, you mess with the money. You begin to change things. Notice in the beginning. Of the racial uproar, Starbucks, it came out right. that uh, the manager of Starbucks, uh, the workers of Starbucks were in blackface and being racial. It shifted when black folks went on social media and said, we're not going to Starbucks anymore. Just yesterday, Jimmy John's, a, little, uh, a sandwich that I love 
they had a on social media, the the workers took the dough of the bread and made a noose. Oh, made a noose. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. put it and and videotaped it. So the the V the VP endorsed it, laughed at it, and the president said, No, 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 we, we don't condemn it. They're, they've been released. I saw was comments after comments. I'm never going to I'm never going to Jimmy John's ever again. I said I'm never going to Jimmy John's again. Here's my point. The dollar changes minds. The dollar, you mess with people's money, they'll shift how they treat you. So in in, in the last couple of minutes, I want to talk about something that I think is very important. And I do I, I do agree with that, that uh, what Bishop Foreman said, money talks, everything else walks. Um, He's so kind and, tonight. He's so kind. Yeah. It's my first time meeting him. He's so kind. He's so kind. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the Holy Ghost taught me how to put it on back. <laughs> so one of the things I do, uh, I want to encourage everybody that's watching because I think it is, it's it's highly important. You think that who you vote for for the top office of presidency is what's important, and that's probably the least impactful vote that you have. What you really need to do is vote in all of the things that lead up to those where people are making laws, where people are uh, 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 who really represents your interests. And that's everybody who's watching. You need to be important about uh, uh, about putting people in place who represent your interests. Bishop Foreman said, man, want to talk to me? Well, Well, what are you doing for me? I, 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 why would I put you in a place where you don't represent my interests? And so I think that that's very, very important. The second thing is that I think that we have as a community of people, specifically people of color, as a community of people, we have to do more than read comic books and novels. We have to invest in learning about history for real. We have to take our time and educate ourselves about what's really going on. And I'm telling you, because I see it just in my, uh, my my kids. Sometimes they're like, oh, dad, I don't know. You know, I don't, that, that's old fogey stuff. But they don't realize how that stuff impacts what's happening now. And what they do now will affect their kids when their kids are coming up. I think it's important that we remember that money is power. And so where you spend it, you got to be intentional about it Two, that you need to get your butts to a ballot box and vote. Have your voices heard by putting in people who represent your interest. And three, get some books in front of you, get our video games, get our computer games sometime and spend time with stuff that's going to build you up. Uh, Bishop, can I can I can I jump in on that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I I agree with all of that. Um, At the end of the day, that is so important. But let's back the conversation up. Okay. if the culture in which you live projects to you that you don't matter. It becomes a difficult argument 
in which to engage one to say these are important things when the value of your life is such that it appears that there is no value. Let me let me see if I can say let me see if I can phrase that another way. Um, yes, need to vote. And, and the most important elections are the local elections. Um, uh, again, watching, I, I see your comment, watching Uncle Tom, yeah, you listen, I hope they're paying you. I hope Salem's paying you. They got the money to, to push their political narrative. So hopefully you're getting paid for it, at least getting some type of affiliate commission. <laughs> yeah. Where I learned that? Business. Uh, I succeeded. At the end of the day, um, it, the narrative, the narrative that um, you you know, um, just voting for the president is uh, is going to bring great change. Obviously, that's 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 an incorrect narrative. At the same time, if the images that are projected and the culture that is that has been built around conditioning the mentality of a people to believe a certain way, um, you, you are not dealing with something that is in one generation. It is generational, and so I think the reality of it is. Every individual has to take individual responsibility. Absolutely. At the same time, you have to realize that everybody doesn't have the ability to be a Frederick Douglass. Everybody doesn't have the ability. Uh, everybody doesn't have the ability to be a Bishop Bright. Everybody doesn't have the ability to be a pastor man. Those that, that everybody. Let's go Bible. Everybody's not a Joseph. Everybody's not a Moses. Right. Everybody's not a Peter. Uh, every, and so on. And so I think that it's also important to recognize that if you're if you're teaching people that you don't matter when you got a president, uh, 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 Donald, let me be very clear, who is saying to you, you ain't worth jack. Here's what I think about you. There's very fine people over there, though. You know, you're a thug. You're a looter. When these messages are being fed to you in every area of culture, you also have to realize that there is a strengthening that has to happen where life is spoken into black men and black women and right. young black men to right. say that your life matters. That's the whole phrase. Black lives matter. I don't care who's behind the organization. The phrase is what has the power. The phrase is what's power. Is. That's the power. Black lives. I need y'all to type that on the screen. Black lives matter. Type that, Grady. Black lives matter. Huh? Come on, put that on the screen. Black <laughs> lives matter. Let's see. I, I, I agree. Politics are local. All politics are local. Um, but if you have, we have moved from being oppressed to being depressed. And because of that, we don't know our value because what we see on TV is images and verbiage and rhetoric of you're less than, uh, you are a thug, but there's some nice people who carry tiki torches. Uh, you're a looter. You're a Marxist. But these Confederate statues are our history. Come on, wait, wait, Pastor. Come on, Grady. Come on. You, you come they on. They are history. All God's children matter. Black lives matter. Uh, so, <laughs> so my issue then becomes if if we're going to say, and I agree, that voting is paramount, um, you gotta also. After you instill into to our black men and black women that they are valuable, they are important, they're more than what is depicted on TV, then we have to teach them the 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 mechanisms of government. We have to teach them that the president, you Donald, cannot see. I, let, 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 okay, 
I know time is running up. But let me go here. I live in Texas. I'm 47. My first 40 years, I lived in New Jersey. I was alive during the Central Park Five. I was wow. alive uh, in New Jersey when his he and his father were sued because they would for fair housing practices. I was alive with how he treated uh, the black workers in in uh, his casinos, which, by the way, during the boom of the casino age, he's the only one to have bankrupt casinos. So I was alive doing all that. I lived in the church. So when he says uh, that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make all schools open up again. He can't make schools open again. It takes local elected officials who think and have a better understanding of government, better understanding what's right, who cares about their constituents to say uh, to him. And I don't care what you say. COVID-19 is is running rampant. We're not opening schools. I don't care what you say. Uh, You may love these Confederate statues. They got to go because they represent a time gone past, as Bishop Foreman and I said earlier, losers, rebels who lost. So voting is important, but we first got to tell our black, young black men and black women, you matter, you're important, you're vital to the growth of a society, to the growth of a nation. We need you. We need you. Everybody can't everybody can't sit in a room with behavioral therapists like Bishop Foreman. Everybody can't do that. But what Bishop Foreman can do is take the knowledge he obtained from the behavioral therapist and go to his church, go to his community, speak life to them. It's, it's enough death. Let's speak life to our people. Listen, guys, I think this has been a phenomenal conversation. I thank both of you, Pastor Man, Bishop Foreman. I thank both of you for coming out. I feel so uh, inadequate being around you guys. (laughs) And and joining in. (laughs) Next week, we're shifting gears completely. Uh, We're going to talk about finances, credit, um, and building generational wealth. So you need to be ready to tune in to next week's show, Finance, Credit, Building Generational Wealth. Um, until next time, God bless you. I love you. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Pat. Are we off? We still on? It says live, so we still it live. It's still <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about some more stuff, man. <laughs> I enjoyed you, Pastor. We, I enjoyed you. We got to hook up, man. We do, we do. I better when we get off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say hello. I think it still's got us on live. So I'm gonna all right. Yeah. <laughs> Blessings, man. Bye-bye.